Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to Saturday. Saturday the 19th. How was everyone's week? I like to always get that out of the way. See if anyone did anything exciting. New guitars. Um, let's see, make sure everything is feeding correctly. So, Jared Briggs says, hey. John Port's watching from Akron, Ohio. OH. What do you think of Earthquaker pedals? They're really cool, man. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I own two of them. Uh, I have the one that has a cave on it. It's really cool. Um, let's see. Uh, Justin says, how can there already be a dislike? There was a dislike... Um, before i think uh like a week ahead uh, a week ago so you know one of the future videos like in two weeks has two or three dislikes on it already that might um, have been me yeah um so you know whatever uh nicola says hey ralph mike yeah Hi, mike got uh greetings from belgium Love the waffles. Dale, Dale Palmer got here. He says, wow, I got here in the beginning. Well, good to see you, Dale. Dale has been uh, a viewer since the very, very beginning. So oh, We get a Moscow, dude. Moscow, Russia. Moscow, That's Russia. The, um, uh, Susan says, we'll just do all the greeting stuff. Susan from, says, from hi from Minnesota. The uh, Jared says, hi, Ralph. Hey, dude. Donna D Donald says hi, Ralph and Mario Phil. Mario says, Phil and Ralph, what's up? So we say, what's up? Yeah. No, I'm just hanging out. It's kind of nice. Saturday. Just, yeah, it's, we'll just take a couple minutes and just... It's not, it's not a thousand degrees outside. Yeah, it was actually nice. Uh, I I went swimming earlier today. It was great. Um, I didn't. Yeah, it was... The whole not drowning in the backyard does not appease me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Somebody put second dislike. Yeah, you're going to get a bunch. It, You know what? Uh, not that it matters, but likes and dislikes, as far as I can tell from more hours than I ever want to admit of research, don't equate to anything when it comes to YouTube. I think at one point they were some kind of driving factor, but I don't think so anymore. Mm -hmm. So if you look at my video catalog history, I think about halfway through my video series, about a, a year ago, I stopped even suggesting that you like or dislike. So I don't, I don't know what they do for anybody. So if anyone knows, tell me. But I mean, I've asked all kinds of YouTubers. There's a belief system that somehow helps your videos get promoted, but I don't see it. Um, uh, let's see. Hey, Buenos Aires. Oh, from Buenos Aires? Yeah. So. Marcelo, the Iron Man. He's actually got a cool name. Okay, first question I'm going to answer is just too crazy. Bella says, Bella Chi says, it's the zombie apocalypse. What portable speaker pedals, uh, what portable speakers, pedals, guitar would you, uh, you and your... What guitar would you go, what, what would go in your bug out bag with your solar powered battery? Um, I got an answer already. Yeah, what's your answer? Uh, I'm going acoustic, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. Unless unless you're meatloaf and you got a red strat that you can smash a zombie uh, a cheerleader with, no, nope, I'm going acoustic. Okay, so so I would be the exact opposite of that. I would take my Line Six uh, Pod or uh, my my iRig on my tablet and um, headphones, and I would use uh, an electric guitar, anything, probably strat, just because a strat would be a good weapon. I, I'd go with uh, probably a Les Paul because it's heavier. Yeah. More blunt force trauma. <laughs> yeah. 
this is true. Okay, so so good good question. Definitely the most unique one. Okay, so uh, um, Eric says, "Hey, from Puerto Rico," and um, so let's go Scotland, dude. Scotland. Yeah. There, uh, there's 254 of us already on a Saturday. So let's see. Oh, okay. Rex 10's got a great question. Can anything be done about a strip truss rod nut? Yes. There are all kinds of tools designed. I have a bunch of them. I've, I've recovered a lot of strip truss rods. Um, one of my, uh, I don't want to say a pet peeve, but it's one of my things that I don't like is what we say the word broken truss rod. Um, in, in my my years of, of fixing guitars, especially truss rods, very few have ever been broken. The truss rods usually don't break. They strip, the end strip out. Um, and uh, so the, uh, in fact, we were going to do a video called Truss Rod Fear, and we used, um, my buddy Patrick, we used his torque wrench to see how much torque you could, tor- you know, do a truss rod. Yeah. And believe it or not, the torque, rick- the torque, uh, the, the digital reader out on the torque wrench uh, started at five pounds of pressure, and it wouldn't even register when we were cranking the truss rod so hard we were, we were about to strip it out and break mm-hmm. it, um, and it still wasn't five pounds of t- torque. So truss rods really don't take a lot of force, um, but what causes the stripping, of course, is mismatched Allen keys or tools. Uh, those are the biggest issues. So two things you have. One, if it's minorly stripped out, there is an amazing set of Allen wrenches sold by Stumac that are tapered. Um, they look like uh, the pyramids, right? They come to, to it, right? So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I use those even when they're not strip truss rods um, just because what happens is they slide in until they hit and they bite. Um, they're a little um, rigid. So they have some grip. And like I said, they're tapered like a cone. And they'll just find that spot and then grab it. Um, and that works really well. Now, if it's really stripped, um, there are other devices that you use, mostly Stu Maxells as well, that will kind of grab the meat of that uh, of that end piece off and take it off. Um, but if, if the guitar has any value and you're concerned about it, take it to a credible luthier uh, for that kind of repair. Um, I have done many of those myself and one thing i will tell you as someone who's repaired uh instruments for years um i i i there's a lot of things i like it when people try to do it themselves first that's not one of them right you know i'd like to see it before you do something to it if you make it worse you're just gonna you're gonna make it harder for the person to repair it so that's that's what i would look at i did like the the sumac uh Truss rod uh, tool, the Allen wrench tools. Yeah, I love. They them. actually go in straight because if you get you, like using the one from the, the the factory, it does fit right. But sometimes it gets kind of as it turns, it gets locked in there. Yes, it's kind of weird pulling out. But like, yeah, the ones that that did taper in were so much nicer after you got those working on guitars all, all day. Uh, it, it was. It kind of took a little bit of anxiety out of it because then you get the Allen wrench stuck in there and you're trying to yeah. wiggle it out. I loved them. Right. Yeah, um, they're cool. We use them all the time. Um, and um, and they're easy to search. Just go to to Stumac and look up Allen wrenches in there. They look like a screwdriver set. They're really good. So there was one question I was trying to find it again. Okay. Uh, I forgot. I didn't see who asked it, but he said, "What are the best pedals for someone getting into pedals? Like if if you're you're just now going to get into pedals, what advice would you give to someone on that? You know the the first first step I always give everybody. Same. Here's the interesting thing. Same advice I give. For learning music, as I would for learning tone, building tone, right? Building a sound. You build a sound the same way you will build 
yourself as a musician by finding someone you really, really like and emulating and learning for everything you can for them. So, for example, one of the things, one of the ways that I really identify with learning music is taking a musician that I love and trying to play everything that they play. Learn all their techniques, their nuances, their right try to try to read everything about them try to understand why they play you know those chords versus other chords you know what is it they like um you know and so like if you like Stevie Ray Vaughan you can really not only analyze the blues but really analyze his playing why does he approach the blues the way he does the same thing will happen if you're getting into pedals or guitars look at the person you really enjoy uh you know because you need to start somewhere start from emulation that's the best way right everybody a new idea is going to be very hard to come up with from scratch without learning something first so uh take somebody and analyze them so if you have a player you love the way they sound start with their pedals now the best thing now is the if they have a pedal and it's four hundred dollars don't buy that pedal (laughs) okay Find the pedal that's the uh, price comfortable version of that pedal for yeah. you, um, and that's it. And that's where I tell everybody to start. You know, one of the things I used to I story. We, you always get stories in the live shows. One of the stories that I, I have that I, I always think messes up things was you used to go to music stores and everybody would tell you to buy the Boss SD One. And um, a friend of mine went to a Boss meeting with me once, and and it was very enlightening for him. I and he he, he pointed out. He said, "Now I know why every store pushes SD ones." And it was because when you would go as a dealer, didn't matter what size dealer you were, to boss, the buy-in was 72 pedals, you know, to get to in-column pricing. Otherwise, you were you were buying, you know, if you buy 10 boss pedals as a dealer, you're buying them for almost what musician's friend wants to sell them for, so you can't compete. To get to in-column pricing, you have to buy 72. 72 pedals, boss pedals, may not sound like a lot, but three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 invested in some stomp boxes in a mid-range store, you can't flip you know, you can't flip all those pedals. I mean, think of this: Ped- Boss pedals are sell for a hundred dollars a piece. So, seventy-two pedals is not, or seventy-two pedals is not, um, uh, is not uh, uh, doesn't sound like a lot. But you you could probably flip if you're lucky five to ten pedals a week, right? One a day. So if you if you are stores open twenty six days a week or twenty six days a month, you can sell twenty six pedals. That sounds about yeah. right, right? A uh, boss pedals. We're just talking about the skew. So if you buy seventy two and you're killing, you'll flip that seventy two in about three months. Okay, so I want that to be perspective. So a lot of dealers, including the guitar centers, what they did was Boss would do this deal where you could buy as many SD ones as possible, and you would buy the SDs for thirty dollars a piece. And that's funny because we all probably remember buying them for $35 a piece. Was it 35 or 39? No, see, they used to sell for 35. Now they're probably 39, but they were used to sell for 35. You would buy them as a dealer for 30 or 32. And the reason you bought them was you could pad up that 72 pedal order. You could get a box of 20 of those SD1s. And now you don't have to worry about, you know, 59 other pedals, right? Yeah, because I remember uh, doing the orders with you. And yeah. That, and you're like, and these, this giant box of pedals yep. would just come in. And so all you were doing was selling those SD1s for cost as fast as you can so that you could, you're just buying down your pricing for your other pedals. Um, and they pushed it on everybody. And I like that pedal. That's not where we're going with this. But... I find that that's what homogenized the 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 answers that you get. What's the pedal I should get? A Tube Screamer. What's the first pedal I should get? An SD1. It's a pedal that's really a retail answer. But the right answer is find the artist you love, find how they're getting their sound, and then find that sound in the budget you want to pay. And that's how I think most of us did it, whether we realize it or not. Yeah. 
I just went out and bought a crate blue voodoo amp because I liked Marty Friedman. Yeah, I just bypassed the whole battle thing. <laughs> I was like, nope, crate blue blue voodoo. <laughs> I love that amp. You had oh, that. Oh god, I, I I dream of it still. I yeah. need to buy another one. Yeah, he had a you had a he had a mini one before it was a craze. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, it was the it was, uh, like the fifty watt head. Fifty watt, yeah. but it was like this big on and a one twelve. It was on one twelve. Then I bought the second one twelve. Then I went to the four twelve because I was like, no, I need bigger. For the crate haters out there. The Blue Voodoo was one of the most legit amps they made. That and the Stealth. There yeah. was a couple amps out there, believe it or not, that regardless of what you think of Crate, towards the end, they they had hired some really renowned, like Lee Jackson, amp builders to to build some amazing stuff, and that was one of them. So for metal amps, I mean, yeah. if you're not into metal amps, I mean, it probably wasn't your cup of tea. But, but again, but going back to the original question also, used pedals are good too. Always used Always pedals. used. I mean, especially when guys are like, I'm trying to find my sound. Don't pay full retail find it used yep so it's used pedals are great um let's do another question um all right let's see what we got um okay uh nicola says what do you think of red witch pedals from new zealand now i'm assuming you're from new zealand so hi from new zealand uh red witch if you guys don't know what red witch pedals are they're a uh, small uh pedal company that makes pedals and for a while their whole thing was uh lithium batteries they had built-in rechargeable batteries their pedals were was rechargeable. small ones like the size of uh the business card yeah about the thick right yeah so, they were like the size of more pedals before more pedals right yeah slightly okay. slightly bigger than that and then but they ran on lithium ba- uh, batteries um I, I, a lot of people love them. I, I don't think I tried them other than in demonstration mode, so I can't attest to anything being amazing or anything, but um, they were good. Um, Nathan Dillard says, how does the relationship between Epiphone and Gibson work? Okay. Does Epiphone have to get approval from Gibson on new ideas or guitars? Okay, so that's a that's a good question. I'm not, I, I'm gonna give you my, mostly my speculation. Hey, the dog's barking. And that doesn't sound like a problem, except for that means something's cool coming from the UPS guy. <laughs> so, uh, so, anyways, um, okay. So, Epiphone and Gibson's relationship—it works almost exactly like Fender Squire's relationship. It's held internally. In other words, there's somebody who runs Epiphone, but they work in the Gibson building, mm-hmm. and they run Epiphone. They're a marketing guy. Uh, companies like Gibson and Fender. So, I'll, I'll, I'm going to tell you this, Nathan, because this probably makes more sense. You got to understand something. There's a lot of uh, companies like Fender and Gibson out there in the music industry that have marketing or product managers. And those guys um, don't really spend a whole lot of time developing new product because the majority of your product line has been developed for many, many, many years, right? I mean, Fender doesn't need to develop a new Strat. They just need to develop a new color or a different pickup pattern. Like uh, Epiphone's doing the $99 version guitars. Have you seen those? Um, Everybody's very excited about that. Me personally... um, I would love to get excited about it. My issue with it when I see that stuff is that's that's a that's a sign to me that they're not doing well. Yes. That they're trying right. When when companies it's like a panic. When companies are trying to grab there is no so, so to put this in perspective, and this is just, just some numbers, and I'm just gonna give you some numbers. Put this in perspective. To to have Gibson make a ninety nine dollar guitar, retail, street price. The uh, the retailer being Guitar Center would expect to spend about $62 for that guitar. Okay, that means they're landing that guitar to the retailer at $62 a piece. So let's pretend that in, in some magic way, they can somehow figure out a way to double their money in some weird way on that and make $31. So Gibson's going to make $30 a piece per guitar. 
my guess to you guys would be how many guitars do you think they could sell? And I'm going to say they could sell probably 10,000. That'd be a good guess. I mean, it might be crazy like that. 10,000. It's not millions. It's not iPad world. Okay. It's not, it's not Apple. It's like 10,000. So 10,000 times $30, right? So that isn't a whole lot of money. So why go after it? Um, other than to own a piece of the market, get some excitement, or they're just getting desperate to, to flip revenue. So Anyways, I got sidetracked, but that's my point with uh, that that subject. So there's somebody who basically comes up with new ideas for Epiphone, and they they uh, work for for Gibson. Um, so my guess, and I'm pretty sure I'm right, is that the guy who runs Epiphone, when he gets his check deposited in his account every month or every two weeks, it's got a Gibson logo on it. Yeah, he's probably just there at the Gibson, you know, corporate headquarters, a couple offices down the yep. hall, and he's making those decisions saying this is what Epiphone's going to do this year. Yep. And and it can't run differently than Squire. Squire, Chris, there's a guy named Chris. He runs Squire. And here's the deal. Those guys run Epiphone. The guys who run Epiphone run Epiphone. The guys who run Squire run Squire. But yes, to, to get to the the vein of your question, the point of it, which is, uh, yeah, do they have to get approval for Gibson? Yes, Gibson is never going to allow Epiphone to to make a better product than the parent company. Whoa. And same with Squire. Squire's never going to have a Squire that is going to truly, uh, you know, blow away the Fender market. And if anyone watching this is is common and thinking right now, but I have a Squire and it's amazing, Phil. It's as good as any Fender. I'm not talking about quality. I'm talking about specs. Yes. The specs will never be exact. They'll never make a Squire exactly like a Fender. They'll never make an Epiphone exactly like a Gibson uh, in the specs. Like, will it be lacquer? Will it be the same cortisone wood? Will it be the same, right? Is this going to be an American-made instrument just made in China or yeah, Indonesia? They'll, they'll always hold a little back. Now, I never say never, but, I mean, I, I keep thinking they're going to change their ways, but they are they don't seem to, to not be. So that's my take on that. Let's find another good question. That was a good question, Nathan. I appreciate that. Um Let's see. Do you have... Oh, okay. So... Okay, so Marcus is not so much a question, but a statement. It's an interesting one, though. Uh, he, he's saying... He's responding to somebody else. He has to... to uh, uh, stainless steel, but he said stainless steel. Uh, basically, he's got a guitar with stainless steel frets, and he'll never buy another guitar without stainless steel frets again. Um, yes, I have guitars with stainless steel frets, and they are amazing. Um, and if you haven't played one, they are very nice. It's like it's like playing, it's like butter, right? Do you have a guitar with stainless steel frets? No. Yeah, um, they're fantastic. Um, I got nothing against them. Yeah. I, um. So, I, and again, I, I've heard the argument both ways. Some people are like, you know, stainless steel is the way to go. Other people are saying no. Um, I've played both. I dig them, but I don't own anything that actually has them. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I have a couple guitars with them and I, I like them. Um, they are very, very, very good fret material. Um, some players don't like the, um, and I don't want to say the tone of them because that's not what it is. They don't like the, um, what do you call it? There's a sensitivity to it. It's like it has a ping to it. Um, that I think is really cool, but yeah, it's not, you know, I mean, after years of playing uh, nickel, you start getting used to that. So, and then somebody's saying stainless steel lasts longer. Absolutely. Stainless yes. steel lasts almost infinity. It's, uh, um, uh, I've done, 
you know, like any guy who's done refretting on guitars or, or fret work and crown levels, very few of those are going to be stainless steel. So, hey, David Lawrence asked me if I got an SG. No, no. Um, for example, when Phil and I went to Guitar Center, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, um, it was two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah it was the last show. It was so the show before last. It. Yeah, because yeah. uh, last and um, we went to Guitar Center. Phil bought his um, Schecter. Schecter. I was looking at the SG, and uh, Phil's like, what do you think about it? I was like, I don't know. It's kind of cool. And Phil's like, let me see it. And he looked at it, and you could see Phil spotted it first, just tool marks down the neck. So bad. Yeah. So um, that SG, actually, so you know, I, I just want to get on this kick. How much was that guitar? It was new. Six ninety nine. Yes. $700. So I didn't tell you this story. We didn't talk about this last time. He was playing that SG at the Guitar Center. It was one of those satin finish ones. And he's playing it. And I go, what do you think? Six ninety nine, American made. That's not bad. And he's like, oh, I'm not getting it. He hands it to me. I played for five seconds. I go, you know, I hate this. Look at all these, like, file tool marks on the wood. like Just into the fretboard, the edge of the fretboard. You know what? That guitar felt like somebody who built it that quit. Like, yeah. that was the guitar they quit. They go, by the way, and I quit, and here's my last guitar. It was so horrible. Where um, it was like, like, no, you can leave when this guitar is finished. Oh, it was bad. And it was just like, done. It was bad. So, yeah. So, I, I and no, last week I go to, uh, I went to a couple different stores. I'm still looking. No, I'm, I'm very finicky when I, when I play guitars, if I like it. So, if I'm going to drop $700, $900 on guitar, I got to make sure I really like it. Yeah. But, no, but thank you for asking. Well, and, uh, on a side note, what made it worse was I picked up that Schecter that was like three, $400, and I handed it to him, and he's like, yeah, this is perfect. Yeah. And I go, right, doesn't that make you sick? And the problem is I'll pick up an Epiphone SG, and they're like, yeah, <laughs> this is so much better. Every time I go to the store and pick up Epiphones, I sit there, and I don't know why I don't get rid of all my Gibsons and just get an Epiphone. And I've said this before, and a lot of people agree with me on this. Um, the only reason I don't own Epiphone is because I like the shape of the Gibson headstock. It's like it's like a, it's a it's a it's nostalgic. It's yes. why Squires look cool to me because they have the Fender headstock. I don't care about the logo. I care about the the way it looks. Yes. Um, you know. Um, so, okay. Uh, Justin maybe says, "Hey Phil and Ralph, what is both of your current dream rigs? You go first, dream rig. Oh man, that's a good so question. That's guitar, amp, you name it." I love this question, right? Because it's... It'd be my dream rig, so top notch. Yeah, anything. For guitar, so I'm going to go with my PRS. Okay. Through a Mesa Boogie, because I'm very unoriginal on that. <laughs> hey, at least he admits it. <laughs> okay, so your dream rig is a PRS through a Mesa Boogie. Very Nickelback yeah. of you, by the way. Uh, I was going to say very Breaking <laughs> Benjamin of me, yeah. or uh, Shine Down. Something yes. like that, you know. Yeah. Hey, I love Tremonti, and Tremonti does that too. But uh, again, but I can go through PRS through like uh, the EVH because that's what Gary Howey was running. I was watching a video with Gary Howey, and he was running a PRS through his EVH amp. Uh, my, it actually sounded good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Gary Howey. Yeah. Um, my dream rig, probably Fender Strat with a humbucker through a Marshall Plexi and a 63 reverb tank into a, uh, a 212 cabinet. So very unexciting answers. But I think that's the, the interesting thing about those answers is those answers come from years of playing and owning tons and tons of gear. And I, I find your, your dream rig 
becomes less exciting the more stuff you get out of your system over the years. Becomes very simplified. Yeah, it's practical. To me, it's practical. And to be honest, I'm just saying that because I'm trying to be exciting. But the truth is, I mean, I guess a Strat through any kind of basic Fender amp with a, a, a good overdrive pedal, and I'd be always excited. I mean, the, the dream rig I would love to play would be Angus Young. I want to play through yeah. 22 Marshall Super Leads. Because <laughs> I think that'd be fun. So so to answer your question, the answer isn't a dream, dream rig. It's a dream place to put the rig. <laughs> he wants an arena. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess dream rig, that would be it right there. No, Gibson SG through... 22 uh, Marshall Super Leads. Crank the 10. You know what? This is a good question, too, because I want to answer it. V-Man said, Gibson has dropped and kicked the ball out of the stadium and quit on QC. You know, a lot a lot of you on the live show, I'm sure, watch a, a bunch of the videos that I've made, especially videos I've made with Ralph. And I did the video where I got this <laughs> for my anniversary. And this guitar, which I, I, I really do like, the longer I've had it, the more problems I have found with this guitar. In fact, now I'm going to recut the nut. Um, and, and I will admit that when I first got it, I was really excited about that day. That day was really as honest as that video was. I got up that morning. I talked my buddy Joe into going with me. We went, I got the guitar. Um, and, uh, and I'm really happy I got it, but really honestly, just overall the quality, it's weird that, you know, as you nitpick this $2,000 guitar, it's funny. Here's what I want to say. I don't want to pick on Gibson for their quality issues. I want to make a statement that I think it's weird, and I think a lot of us are guilty. I'm guilty, so I'm admitting it, and if you're with me, then you'll you'll understand, and if you're not with me, then just feel good about yourself. I take a lot of crap from Gibson that I would never take from another guitar company. I would never own this guitar right here that I said I like, which because I do. If I owned a Schecter, if I owned a, uh, you know, insert other, you know, mid-live brand I would never accept the quality that came from this guitar from those companies. And I, it's weird to me why, what it is. And it's not the guitar's bad. It's just, the, the like he said, the QC, the things that got through, it's always interesting to me. Well, um, and, and that's one of the best QC Gibsons I've seen in years. And, and I think the thing, too, is you go, when you spend $2,000 on a guitar, you're expecting quality out of it. And that's, that's yeah, of course. Geez. Now, if, I, if you spent $200 on a guitar, you're like, eh, there's some problems with it, but I only spent $200. You're, I think you equate it that way. But when you're going, I just spent a lot of money on a guitar. It should come in. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I don't think like that. I wish I did. Here's how I think. It, when I see a $2,000 guitar, what I expect is a guitar to hold value. This guitar is worth $1,500. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, you could look at it like you lost 500 bucks, right? But the truth is, right now it's worth 15 So... I would lose five, but it still has some value. Um, I bought a $2,000 MacBook Pro, and that's not worth 1500 bucks. I don't think it's worth 500 bucks. So you get the idea. So I, I expect a guitar to hold value um, for when they get higher prices. Um, and they, a lot of times they don't, but I, I do really like the idea that they would um, because that that's the only thing that makes me buy high-end guitars. At this point in my life, at this point in my collecting, I'm only buying guitars that are expensive because they hold some value point to them. You know, otherwise I would just play Schecter's and call it a day or Fender Strats, you know, Mexican made Strats. Yeah. So, although he's different because I know you're a PRS, just because you love it. That's why you have him. Yeah. Uh, this question came up a couple times. So I had it. Darren said, Phil, best blues amp. 
uh, cheap blues amp. Um, to me, the best cheap blues amps are going to be the Blues Junior by Fender and the Classic 20 by, or Classic 30 by PV. Both those are fantastic. Also, in the blues forum, I would actually also recommend some of the Eggnator uh, amps, like the Tweaker uh, series is really good. Um, I've had really good experiences with those. Those are all great amps, but uh, to me, the PV... When I think blues, I don't only think of a sound. I also think of an image, of course. Uh, you know, if you want to show up with a band and, and play some blues, there is credibility. If you have a PV, if you have a Fender, you have an amp that has a good sound and has the right, not so much image. I'm not somebody to say that, but it has the right perception. It shows that you're a blues guy. You know, you're not showing up with a 5150 rig <laughs> or something like that. Not that I, there's a problem with that. I have a friend who plays blues with a 5150 rig. That's why I'm kind of making that joke. Um, but yeah, and, Blues Junior, definitely that. Yeah, of course. It's, can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. And, and uh, that, I mean, that's like the generic answer. Yes. It's the very cookie cutter answer, but it's the cookie cutter answer because it's true. Yes. It is, of course. Um, Okay, so let's see. Next question. Ready? What's we got? <laughs> Somebody said, greetings from Apache Junction. All right. Yeah, it's right down the road. It's right down the road, so you're not that far from us. Um, okay, so I just want to address this. Uh, uh, Isaac is saying, in Australia, Blues Junior is $1,000, so I wouldn't call it cheap. Yeah, but you understand, Australia, I've seen you know Shane and the Blues talk about this too. You understand, I, I really feel for you guys, but it seems to be very isolated to your, to the rest of the world, Fender still is very practically priced. It's on the top end of cheap. Does that make sense? I don't want to get too crazy with this. To me, Okay, so let me put it this way. You, you could take a Blues uh, Deluxe or a Hot Rod Deluxe amp, which is $700 US. Okay. And you could gig with that anywhere, you know, right? I mean, that's a legitimate amplifier. I mean, I've seen professional musicians with them on stage. Uh, it's been on stage with amps that cost three and $4,000. Yes. So it is practical. Uh, Australia, though, is out of control. But I don't know who... So the question I have, which I haven't heard Shane talk about... You know what? I'm actually... Maybe that's an idea for Shane. We'll put this in the index, and then maybe I'll text it to Shane and send it to him. Um, you know, maybe they should try to find what's the good all price alternative affordable for fenders in Australia. Because sadly enough, not to upset you, Isaac, uh, Isaac, but um, I can go on Craigslist right now. I was looking this morning and there's a used, there's a used Hot Rod Deluxe for 350 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, 350 bucks for a 40 watt tube amp, you know, that is, you know, it's it, with a legitimate branding behind it. And it might possibly even have a warranty depending yeah. on when it was made. Because I know they always have to do with like the import taxes and stuff. Yeah, the Australia thing's crazy. Well, and I, I remember even um, the bands, we'd, we'd, we would get them from time to time. The guys that would come in from Europe, you know, they'd come to the U.S. for a uh, tour or recording, and they'd come in and they'd just buy everything up that they could. And they're like, no, no, it's no, we can. I remember that. If they take it back with them, they didn't have to pay the tax on it. It was something weird Yeah. versus them ordering and having it shipped to England or wherever, so... And you know, you know, one one thing I'm curious too. I wonder if Fenders just doesn't care about the Australian market. It's kind of I kind of get the impression, which is you know. Well, you sucks. think they would get it from like uh, Fender Japan or something? So um, let's see. Oh, okay. Here's a weird question. I love all the weird ones. So let's try this one. Jared Briggs says, "Phil, how do you tune your Dirt OD pedals?" on your Princeton at home? Do you push the amp to the edge of breakup? Oh, that's a great 
great question. So that, uh, to give it perspective to everybody else, that how far it is, that, that's a good question for any kind of amp like that. You know, when you have a small, uh, for instance, like a 12 watt amplifier. So the question is, am I pushing that amp as hard as I can and using the overdrive to kind of take it to that sweet spot? No, I'm, um, for lack of a better term, front loading the amp. I'm running the amp clean and using the overdrive as the tone on the Princeton. That's how I'm using it at home. Uh, in fact, I'm doing the opposite on the Princeton. My Princeton right now is, I use it just as a head. I'm having a custom head case made for it. I'm turning my Princeton into a 12 watt head and I'm gonna be running through a 212 combo. Keep it totally clean, get that really spongy fender clean and then run overdrive on top of that. Um, so that's how I do it. Um, if I could afford to have a little more volume, I would do it the way you're talking about, but in my house, it's just, it's too loud. Uh, the uh, Okay, so Counting Days has a question. Hi, Phil. I found the humor in the elastic slide video pretty entertaining. Um, thanks. Do you recommend uh, brands, models of metal, ceramic, or glass slides? Okay. Oh, so uh, you may not know. I did a video. That was a while ago. That was good. Thanks. Uh, th I did a video where I basically took some elastic material, like out of mm -hmm. someone's pants, and you wrap it around an aluminum slide. No, I'm serious. Like I'll link it in the video. Come on, don't um, you? And you can keep it. I keep a guitar in there, and I have a slide like bungee to the headstock, and I can okay, use the slide up and down. Okay, that's how you say it was your bungee yeah. trick. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the bungee trick for slide. Um, and uh, the uh, and yes, and so I I I have a bunch of slides. I have a brass one. I have some ceramic ones. I have the uh, slash ceramic slides. Really cool from Dunlop. I have two brass slides from Dunlop. I have some Pyrex slides. Those are the glass ones. Um, but uh, I use those aluminum ones from Fender. I really like them. Uh, they're light. They, they're, uh, they're cool. I have like three of them. So that's the ones I still recommend. Um, the glass slides I really like, um, but I'm a little nervous. Um, my wife uh, slit her fingertip with a glass slide and lost the sensation of her, her mm. fingers. She, uh, Shauna lost the, her fingers uh, for like a year. She couldn't feel because um, it cut a nerve <laughs> so deep. So um, those weirded me out after that. Um, and for the record, just so, I, so I'm very clear, that was a fender glass slide. I've never had the issue with Dunlop, but that was a fender glass slide that did that. And um, so that, that weirded me out. So I use the metal ones now. Um, okay, let's see. Okay. I'm going to try and do this question. T Davis 26 YT says, what happens if you drop the pickups on a Strat? Okay. If I'm trying to change the pick guard. Okay. Oh, okay. Just. They fall inside. Yeah. You, you got, well, if you're trying to change the pick guard over, you got to, you, you have to attach all that stuff back to the pick guard. There's no way around that. So if you drop it, I mean, I hope that's what you're saying. Like I'm not dropping damage them, but drop them inside. Yeah. Like Just, you unscrewed them too far, like yeah. trying to adjust them and also the one yeah. past the screw line. And then I'll say it again. I say it over and over again. Always, always, always just reminder. I know it helps to be reminded stuff. Always make sure whenever you're doing anything as simple as just taking a, a pick guard off a guitar or anything like that, take pictures with your phone before and then after. You'll always be very happy you did. I don't care what you do. I don't even care if you're replacing one tube. You pull it to a little bit <laughs> out, you've never done it before, take a picture of it. Um, you never know. The phone is right there in your pocket. Just do it and um, it'll always help you, whether it's you being able to figure it out again yourself or if you have to take it for someone for help, uh, it's nice if they can look and see what they, they had going on before. So, um, 
Oh, I can't click it. Uh, T- DKG Customs just uh, did a d- did a super chat uh, and tipped us like a tip jar. I guess we're getting yep. be- two beer. euros too, man. Look at that. They uh, thank you, fancy. DKG Customs. Um, I appreciate that. And then he's got a question. Okay, you talk about pedigree guitars like Gibson holding their value. Custom built guitars have particularly zero value on the secondhand market, but there are expectations to to the rule. Oh, exceptions to the rule. Uh, your thoughts? Okay, let me clarify that because I kind of stumbled through it. So basically, what he's saying is that when I was my statement about the pedigree guitars uh, holding value, um, custom built guitars have practically zero value on the second. Uh, yes, and that is because it's a, a secondhand consumer is one of two consumers. This is my personal thoughts. A secondhand buyer is one of two, okay? It is either A, a person who is trying to find the thing they want in the budget that they can afford, okay? So let me give you an example. I don't have $1,400 for American Strat. That's ridiculous. I can't pay that. But if I could get one for eight, I can make it happen. So that's a so that's that consumer's mindset. I'm going to buy used because I'm going to save money. Now, I'm not exp- explaining the reasoning for why they want to save the money. Could be just because they're thrifty. Could be because they're on a budget. There's, But that's the customer, right? The customer is, I buy used to get the thing I want down into my budget range. The second customer, unfortunately, on used market is what's called an opportunity buyer. They buy because it is obtain- obtainable. Let me give you an example. Uh, Paul Reed Smith, let's say if you could dream up the perfect private stock Paul Reed Smith that's $10,000 and you'd go, okay, I'd have this top and this colors and this stuff and, you, and it's $10,000. And But you see a private stock and it's fluorescent orange with pink sparkle pickups and dragon inlays kissing and weirdness, and but it's $1,000. Hey, I'm trying to make this extreme, but it's $1,000. There are customers who will buy that for $1,000 because they know it's a $10,000 guitar. Now, they have no want for it. Now, let's flip that on the coin to the seller. You're a seller who dreamed up that crazy PRS with the orange, fluorescent orange and pink sparkle, uh, you know, pickups. And, and the, the dragons kissing. Gi- dragons kissing. And, and you, you, you know, right, you make this guitar and now you go to resell it trying to get, I don't know, seven, $8,000 of your value. Yeah. You're going to get $1,000 because you got to find, you've just took a customer base. So you took an expensive customer base, which is very small. And then a PRS customer base, which is smaller. So it makes it even smaller. And then you made a custom, then you make a customer who wants fluorescent orange, that's even smaller, and a customer who wants, right? You're, you're whittling down. You kept just shrinking that customer base down to one or two So people. now there's three people on the planet that want that guitar. You're one of them. And the other two don't know you're selling the guitar currently right now. So the only people left are opportunity buyers. So that is what always kills custom shop. That's what kills Kiesel resales and Carvins, right? People buy them and then they go, okay, I'll go to sell them. And they don't hold value because... You, you think to yourself, okay, if somebody wants, if somebody wants 800, I'm going to use my analogy again. Somebody wants $800 for a $1,300 American Strat. To you, you're saving $500. If somebody wanted $800 for a $1,300 custom Kiesel guitar, your brain goes, but for $500 more, I can have it exactly the way I want it. Yeah. I don't have to take what this guy thought of or this person thought of. I can have something that's unique to me. Unless you're lucky enough, and it happens, where you go, that's the guitar I would have ordered. And then, <laughs> and that happens. You know, and like, even then, they go, well, they want $800. I wonder if I can get it for five. Yes. So, yes, that's what kills that market. Um, and sadly enough, some guitars just will always hold value. Um and, and a lot of that has to do with the, because the value is, is based on 
how many it's supply and demand yeah. there's enough demand slash is still an icon so slash looking at les pauls are still going to go well for a while this will go on for a while now there's other reasons why les pauls i'm just pointing that out because when i think of zebra pickups on a gold top i think slash uh you, you know i think of 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 uh chrome colored pickups in a gold top as being more bon bonamassa joe bonamassa but but that's the whole point. So to answer your question, DK, or to, to, to inter interject uh, with what you're thinking, I agree with what you're saying. Yes, custom guitars, unfortunately, the resale value is not so great. And you're taking a, and to be honest with you, you're taking a, a risk anytime you're, you're doing it. Um, okay, so let's see. Next one. Okay, so Chad's got a good question and it because it ties into a video series that I'm doing on Instagram and Facebook. I started today and I saw it and it's just good timing for everybody. It says, is there a good string choice, i.e. 10s, 11s, etc., for SG guitars or is it just what you like best? Now, here's what I'm hoping we're going to all learn together. I've decided to do a series of videos starting today on my Instagram page and on my Facebook. I'm going to review all of my personal guitars every day, one a day until we're out. So it's going to, it's going to be a while. <laughs> okay. Um, and the reason I've decided to do this is because the Instagram videos are trapped at one minute. It's a one minute quick video. And I explain why, what guitar it is, why I have it and what strings are on it. And I'm going to address that because I tell people I'm a nine person or I use nine hybrids, but the truth is I have some guitars with 11s. I have some guitars with, uh, us eights. I have some guitars with tens. Um, what I've personally found is some guitars uh, have a stiffer feel than others. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like a Strat versus Les Paul. I mean, I have two Les Pauls and one just, you know, feels. And I used to have this problem with that where I would fight and do the setups and, and keep adjusting and adjusting and set the action and do everything in my power, but still couldn't get the Les Pauls to feel the same. And then one day I go, well, wait a minute, why didn't I just change the strings? And so I changed the strings on one Les Paul I had nines and one I had tens. And then believe it or not, they found, they feel and sound the same now. And I found this to be true. And then years later, there was a lady named, or there is a lady named Elizabeth who works for GHS Strings. And she said this weird thing to me out of nowhere. She said, you know, you're, you don't pick your strings, your guitar does. And I go, and that's what she's learned from 20 years or whatever working at GHS. She's like, you know, some guitars just... And I... So so the answer to your question is, um, I could tell you which ones I think are, are... But you need to experiment. You know, the truth is you can only go so far in the gauges. Right? Yeah. If you're nines, you can go to 11s. After that, you're probably much going to cut the nut. Um, if you're, you know, and same thing, you can't go... You can't go... But I would experiment with it. Um, you, it's always shocking to me... Uh, one of my strats has tens on it. The rest all have nines. And the one that has tens, I play a lot. And it doesn't feel different to me just because the way it is. And I used to, strats, I'd say, okay, well, maybe it's spring tension or where I'm floating the bridge or any of that stuff. But I've but the hardtails do it too. It's just, like I said, so go back to the original answer. Your guitar picks your string. So um, buy a couple different sets. And all different brands of strings make their wire differently. So it's, I wish I could have, give you an easy answer. It's just, it's too hard to do. Any thoughts on strings? I put, I put tens on everything. Yeah. And, 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 and that's just what I'm used to. Like I was playing your telly earlier. Those right. are nines. Those are it nines. Feels weird to me. I had sevens on that telly forever. But yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things. That, and even at the store, we are, I always said, now you got to try different strings, different gauges to figure out what you like. So and I, I think the cost for, no, 
to figuring it out. It's pretty cheap. You know, was it six ninety nine, seven ninety nine for a pack of strings? Play them for a couple of weeks. See if you like them. Is that your thing? If not, change them. Try them. The telly, I put nines on the telly because I I do a lot of country playing, and I'm some of those bends, those crazy. You bend one one string down and the mm-hmm. other string up, just weird. You know, some of the country licks. So I had sevens on there, then went to eights, and now I'm back up to nines, uh, just because it just makes it easier on my hands to to work out those ideas. I've I've in my personal experience, if I can if I can get get to if I can do it once, doesn't matter what it is. Once I do it, I can do it again on any other guitar too. So, um, so some some comments that I think are cool. Uh, say Uncle Dave says uh, I use nines on Floyd's, tens on Les Pauls, but use twelve to fifty eights on Strats tuned to E flat. Yeah, yeah, see, I I think that's more practical. Uh, there's players like Ralph, all tens. Yep. Uh, Joe is all nines. Like, uh, and sometimes he does those uh, balance tension nines. Um, there are players that just play yeah. one kind of string. Matt was all tens. Yep, I, and Matt was and Matt was a speed player too, yeah, like but Joe. Most players are brand specific, gauge specific players. I play tens, this brand, Ernie Ball. Yeah, I play nines, Diodario. That's all you play, and you put it on things. I, I I was that way for a short while too, and then what happened was, and I had a luxury. Um, the the manufacturers kept giving me free strings. That doesn't suck. Yeah, so every month they give me free strings, and so I would I would ask for the strings I want to try and mess with them, and then over time I've kind of figured out what strings work with what guitars for me. So, um, so there you go. Funny funny thing is this uh, 594 PRS has tens on it, and I can't stand it, even though it's 24 and half mm-hmm. half inches, so it's shorter scale than any of my other guitars. It's still stiff. It's so stiff. So I'm switched. To, I'm gonna switch it to nines um, and give that a try. Um, I like it, but it's still a little stiff. Um, Okay, so uh, SG Flying V says, "Do you collect analog pedals exclusively, as digital gear gets uh, dated uh, quickly?" Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I I buy pedals uh, using the collect the the collection mindset that I think is the most notorious, which is buy what you love. I don't buy pedals because I think they're a value. I don't I don't buy uh, pedals for resale value. I don't buy any. I just buy them because. Uh, you know, it's something I'm interested in, something I like, and I get it. Um, and uh, and it all started, believe it or not, my, my pedal collection started because Joe said, uh, he, my, Joe said this thing that I thought made sense. He said, you know what's great about pedals? They're almost, none of them, almost none of them are unobtainable. He's like, if you went into a high-end music store, and he's right, I went to Nashville, I went into a high-end music store. Um, and... Um, you know, there's all these guitars yeah. I couldn't afford, but I bought a pedal. Because <laughs> he's right. Yeah. The truth is, you know, you go in a store like that, and all the guitars are three thousand plus, and all the amps are two and three thousand dollars plus, and there's just like anything you buy is just going to be expensive. Know, it's expensive, and yet I bought. So I, I, I like this story, so I'll share it with you. I was in Nashville. I went to Carter Vintage Guitars. I was looking at guitars. I was looking at sixteen hundred dollar used Gibson. I was looking at all this stuff. It's a lot of money, and I'm. You know, and I'm, and, and but you're you're in a, you're in Nashville, you know, in this music mecca, and I'm excited, and I want to buy a piece of gear. So what I ended up doing was, I bought this pedal. This is right. Um, this is a Mythos pedal in Nashville, Tennessee, and I and it's 
And it's cool because I met the guy who makes it. I shook his hand, right? I yeah. bought this pedal that's handmade in not only in the U.S., but in Nashville. I have a story in now. In that store. This is the story. I was in Nashville the first time I ever went. I went into a music store, and I bought a cool pedal from Nashville. And this pedal is is is, is a boutique pedal. It's made, you know, boutique meaning that it's handmade in small numbers, and it's unique. It actually says Nashville, Tennessee on it. And it was $179. Now, that's not cheap. But it's obtainable. Yeah. It's something that you could actually, you know, you can get. Um, and um, so that's why I start collecting pedals, because they're more obtainable. Um, I just can't buy guitars and amps. Um, I, I've been collecting for 25 years. My collection, you see, is built in that mentality that I bought, I trade, I buy, I trade out, I trade up, I trade around, right? You know, it's like, it's like comic books and baseball cards. You know, I got lucky. I got that baseball card and I was able to trade it to somebody for seven other baseball cards. Same thing with guitars. I bought a guitar once. I bought I bought a Les Paul once for $1,900. Uh, it was the most I ever spent for a guitar in my life. I sold that guitar for $6,000. Remember the blue one? Yeah, your, well, it was green, right? Yeah, actually, so you know, I sold that guitar for $6,000, but what happened was the guy gave me, what, two grand? and trade and he traded me gear mm -hmm. that gear turned into like eight thousand dollars right um so that plumed up your collection now i'm not saying that don't 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 focus on the numbers focus on what i'm saying my I, my piece that i trade i traded that piece out that i loved because i knew it was going to get me these other pieces right um I know nothing about baseball, so please understand what I'm saying. Uh, somebody once told me, I guess it works the same way. You, you get a Babe Ruth, but you can trade it for a Mickey Mantle and then like six other cards, yeah. right? Okay, same logic. I trade this guitar, and the reason I got rid of the guitar was it was an amazing guitar, but it was worth $6,000. I'm not going to own a $6,000 guitar. I just don't feel comfortable owning a $6,000 guitar. Because if I my thought process in my head was if I don't sell it and I ruin it, if I nick it, if the neck warps and it's worth nothing, you know, I, I, I just... I just can't handle that, uh, especially deep down knowing that my Schecter was just as, as good. And I, you know, and please, no well, one take it. And not only then, but the pedals take up a lot smaller footprint too oh, than absolutely. a guitar. You know, but people understand. You see all, you see everything behind us. Yes. But the fact that there's a closet over here with another shelf in there, <laughs> yeah, with more pedals, and off to the side there's Box so I mean the there's pedals. there's what 200 pedals up in here right now. In this room, there's probably 200 pedals. Yeah. yeah. So. Now, but that's because I started collecting. Same logic, yeah. though. Um, you know, I had a Klon, right? I mm -hmm. had some of those pedals uh, and sold them at the right prices. You know, um, I got a, uh, I had a um, uh, King of Tone. I bought it for one hundred seventy-five dollars. I think I sold it for three seventy-five or four hundred bucks. So same thing. I and then and then you know it's funny. Uh, I'll just just so you guys know, I sold my King of Tone to buy most of these Boss pedals you saw. I saw a deal where I could get like six boss pedals for like 150 bucks. It was some crazy deal. So I sold that pedal, funded this. I found my Nathan East pedal though. Yeah, your Nathan <laughs> East pedal back there. Okay, so next question is from Rids13 who says, I'm thinking of buying an orange Rocker Verb MK3, Mark III, 100 watt head and 412. What are your thoughts on that amp? You know, that's, that's, that's a real amp, man. That's a great amp. Uh, so uh, to answer your question, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I 100%, you're, you're, you're talking about a premium, perfect amp. The Rockerverb 
Mark uh, Mark III, uh, you know, 100, 100 watts. Uh, it's fantastic in every way. Um, the only thing I, you know, is the only the only thing I'm going to say is if you're a bedroom player, I don't know if you're just going to use it for home. That's where you. I hope I hope you're using it to play out. Yeah, you want to use that to play out or play with other musicians. If you're at home, you know, uh, I'm still not saying not to get it. It's just what happens. My personal experience when you buy amps like that for at home, they become furniture that you stack the small amp on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's just it just yeah. becomes too hard to operate them at low volumes. But those days are kind of over with Torpedo now and all the new software. So you know what? I changed my mind. Go ahead and get that. You know, you could plug a torpedo in it and run your headphones at night. Yeah, I like orange amps. Oh, yeah. orange amps are great. Um, I've I've wanted a rocker verb a fifty watt rocker verb right uh, forever. So, um, okay. Next next question is okay. Easy one. Uh, Braden S says, "Can you put a bridge cover on a Mexican Strat?" The answer is no. Uh, you can try. They they sometimes just pop off. They don't really stick on there the same way. Um, my experience is because they when they chrome dip those bridges, whatever the edges don't really bite the the ashtray. He's talking about the ashtray yeah. cover. Uh, but um, you know, if you have one, give it a try. But no, my experience is they don't really work that way. Um, so, but I have both those things downstairs. So maybe I'll after the video I'll give it a try and see. It's been a while since I've tried. I just remember trying it for a customer once or twice and not working a long time ago. Um, let's see. Jacob uh, says, Phil, what do you think of the new uh, PBHP2 models? Um, have you tried played one? Yep, I played them at the show. Uh, they were in my uh, NAM top 10 highlights for the summer NAM video. Um, very cool guitars. Uh, you know, they feel like Wolfgangs. They're Wolfgangs. I mean, let's call it what we're going to call it. They're Wolfgangs, uh, PBs. Making the Wolfgang in the in the U.S. Uh, and uh, priced right, they price start at like fifteen hundred dollars and they go to like twenty two. Definitely realistic compared to what uh, you know EVH is putting out, and uh, rightly so. Very cool looking stuff. Here so, you. William Hernandez, two hundred dollar budget for a metal guitar with a whammy. Oh, yeah, but he's probably talking to Floyd Rose. Yeah, which is going to go right to Ibanez. Well, you know. I mean, yeah, it's used. Yeah. Right, right. The answer is used. I was, I was, I was over at uh, Sam Ash last week, and the number of guitars between that two to three hundred fifty dollar price range that they had, that I was really impressed with, was a lot. A yeah. lot of Ibanez, a lot of Jackson, a lot of those guitars in there. Great price range, great guitars. I think really good bang for the buck. Yep, used. Use is the way yeah, to go. Yeah, use you get better, no better deal. Yep, you you can find stuff for two hundred bucks that's legitimate used. So um, that's what I would recommend. A lot of the stuff that's one ninety nine that'll have a Floyd Rose that's new. It's not that it's not very good. It's it, it's fine, but it's it's they're gonna have issues. They're gonna need fret. You're gonna need to take it to a shop. It's just like every. It yeah. seems like very shortly afterwards the frets sprout because the necks aren't dried completely yet. There's just there's just as many issues than having a used guitar. So, hold so. on. Elliot um, Milan asked, "What is your recommendation for a bass guitar?" Oh, okay. Um, just give us more information because that can go so many different ways. Yeah. So, but yeah. So in the in the chat, kind of fine tune that question a little bit more, and we'll get to it because it's a bass question. <laughs> uh, drawing with. Uh, Drawing with Micah says uh, the artistic, uh, the artistic, artistic says rock on, rock on, yeah. right? Got to give the jazz hands. So, 
Yeah, see? The, uh, um, I'm trying, sorry guys, if you ask questions and I don't answer them, it's either because I don't see them, but sometimes you're asking a question that we've answered a couple times in the other live shows. I just don't want to try to kind of hit the same ones over and over again. Um, okay, let's, by the way, there's 600 of us, 605 of us hanging out on this Saturday. So that's really cool. Okay. Um, okay, here's an odd question, so I'm going to answer it. I like it. Uh, Isaac is saying, do you think it's safe to say polyurethane is a superior finish? LOL. I don't know if that was a question or a statement to somebody else. I just want to jump on it because I think it's cool. Um, you know, I mean, it's a, it's, you know, we... It's superior is tough, right? Because people think lacquer. I personally like polyurethane. That's my thing. I like the way it feels. I don't really like the way lacquer feels. Although my, one of my main guitars, my Mira PRS is lacquer. Um, I'm not really big into lacquer. So let's see. Uh, Tigerbait.com says, Philip, anything coming to your channel with Reverend Guitars? Um, you know, I've been looking at buying a Reverend guitar. Um, the, uh, I looked at it like three or four in the last week. So I'm just saying that because it is something I've been looking at. Uh, I keep I keep thinking about them. I've been wanting some kind of weird Tele Strat hybrid and Reverend has that kind of vibe. Um, so don't be surprised if I buy one. I had worked out something to, to work with Reverend in the past that didn't work out. So, so but that's okay. That doesn't mean anything. Um, the guitars are still good and I still think they're cool. Um, I was just hoping to be able to, to touch one before buying one. Does it make sense? But I think I've been able to ascertain how the necks feel and figure it out and give it a try. Um, so I'm going to give it a try. So don't be surprised if that's... if I, I'm be, To be honest with you guys, if that, my next guitar is probably going to be either that or something like that. They have competitors too. So it's either going to be a Reverend guitar or one of the guitars that look like Reverend. I was trying to buy a Fret King and... I didn't get the response. I didn't get a response back. So, but I, that's another guitar I'm really interested in. Um, let's see. Uh, I hate it when we go dark, but eh, we're all being quiet. Let's see. Uh, Counting Day says, hey, Phil, can you, uh, can you make your recommendations regarding playing through headphones? Yeah, through headphones, I like... Um, uh, I rig, but I'm. You know what I'm using? I'm using that pod. I I have the pod too for headphones. Yeah, see, uh, and it's an old version too. Yep. And it you know for headphone playing, yeah, it's great. Do you have the micro pod or the bigger one? The, the little micro one. Yeah. Remember that was the one we found at the store when we yep. were closing it yep, down. Yep, yep. It was cheap and it was good. Yep, those things are great. Yeah. yeah, great for headphones. I mean, is it? Does it sound like a real amp? Who cares? You're yeah. in headphones. No, it's headphones. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I, maybe it's my mentality on this, but most of the time I use headphones, I'm in a hotel and I have, I'm always, I'm always, I, whatever I take to a hotel, I just want to make sure that if I leave it there, I don't, not I don't freak yeah. out. So to have a $50 thing that I have invested in to it, it just doesn't freak me out. I just don't, I couldn't bring like an Axe effects to a hotel room. Mm -hmm. Um, although it's big enough, it's not, you know, I wouldn't probably forget it cause it's big. Expensive. But you get what I'm saying, and and a lot of times I have my tablet, so just plugging in the tablet is perfect. So that works really well as too. Um, okay, let's see. Have you guys tried the Zoo Drive by Ben? We have. We have. We have tried the Zoo Drive. We did. Yeah, I think we liked it. 
don't remember. I do, because I just remember the zoo drive. Yeah, see? Ah, don't even remember. I feel bad. I think it was one of those days we had a bunch of pedals in and we were just rifling through <sighs> everything. Tried so much stuff. After a while, like, some of it doesn't stick in your head. Um, I think we liked it, but it wasn't enough that it made a great big impression on us. You yes. can call Joe on this one. Joe will remember. Uh, Mark 8, 1963 says, Best right-handed guitar to turn upside down and really play left-handed. A V. <laughs> Come on, that was easy, right? A V. Either that or Strat. Jimi Hendrix did it. So Strat or V. I think those are either way. Although I always point this out over and over again to left-handed players. I always hear left-handed players say, there's no left-handed guitars. There's nowhere to get them. They're overpriced. And I always remind everybody over and over again, Schechter makes like almost every guitar in a left-handed version, and they have more colors than just black, right? It was like black they, and white they, for yeah, they have, else. Yeah, they have like blue. They have <laughs> Schechter really puts, you know, so I always tell everybody, you know, look at that option. They're trying. They're, at least they're making everything they can is, you know, in a left-handed version. Um, uh... Here's a good question. It says, hey, do you prefer the 196, or sorry, do you prefer the 2016 or 2017 Gibson USA lineup and why? Um, I, I, I prefer the 2016. I think a lot of the changes to 2017 were not to my liking, although I bought a 2017. Uh, but that actually points it out. I think I bought the classic because I didn't prefer some of the changes to the standard on the 2017 to the 2016. I'm not preferring either right now. Yeah. Yeah, he's not. I'm, I'm, I think I'm honestly just going to try to find a used... SG somewhere, no, an older one. Yes. And then two more questions, and then we're going to call it a day, guys. So let's see what we got. Um, <laughs> somebody's, okay, I'm going to do it. So uh, it says, oh, uh, Sean, uh, the outsider, said Eastwood does lefties as well. Eastwood is the other company. So when I said I was looking at guitars lately, I've been looking at Eastwood's, Dane Electro's, and Reverence for the one of the ones I'm getting. So... Oh, okay, so Zach Rowe is saying, hey, my Mimic has this Coctua mid uh, bump fixes. Ooh, that's a good question. You know what I'm going to do? So I mentioned it in the video, uh, Zach, um, and I'll, I'll ask anybody if they had any of these problems and they have any fixes for it, uh, please comment when the video re-releases. And then also, I saw Lawrence Lawrence out there, uh, and so if Lawrence sees this, his mimic is, uh, it's got this coctwa mid-hump, and he fixes. Um, yeah, that sounds like a strange issue. So... so yeah, Jared told me to try the uh, 2014 SG. Okay. Well, yeah, I get. I'm gonna try them all. So until I get one, I'm just gonna keep playing them until I get to something I actually like. Okay, so <laughs> some of you guys are funny. I love these comments. Okay, last question, right? Is try not to. Okay. Hey, someone asked me if I ever cut a guitar in half. No. no. I've smashed them in half, but yeah. I don't think I've actually cut one in half. Yes. Uh, uh, cl close. We used to, yeah, we've smashed a lot of guitars for for business reasons. You know, they were defective and they just couldn't be, That's the manufacturer wanted destroyed or they were just 
unusable. Or with finale on stage, you know, hey, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay, last question is, Jen Guy says, please answer me. What would be a great guitar to give somebody for a landmark birthday? Say a budget of $1,300. Oh, a lot of options there. Well, the problem you're, you know, the problem you have is, guitar is a personal thing. It is very personal. So, so the person that you're getting it for, I'm assuming, if you're looking at $1,300 guitar for somebody's birthday, they already play guitar. Yeah. So you already know the answer. You got to look at what they have. You either got to do one of two things. You got to figure out what they have and add to that and try to find the perfect thing to go. Hey, they like they like strats. Let's give them one more strat. That strat they want or something different, something new. You got to pay attention to them because they're going to drop hints like, oh, I wish I had this. Or, um, yeah, that's that's Cause, tough. Yeah, because again, no, a thirteen hundred dollar guitar to you, you're going to go one way. I'll go completely opposite direction, and that's how most people go. You know, so. I can tell you what I would want. If somebody was going to get me the ultimate guitar for $1,300 for a birthday, I'd want a gift card. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm so boring and, and so un, unpersonal, but that's what I would want. I, you want to go get it yourself. Yeah. You want to put your hands on it, touch it, feel it, and make sure at $1,300 yes. you're getting what you want. Yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah, you, you know what? For a gift, you got to do investigating. You got to. Yeah, that's. It's, you got to figure out what they want. Um, and that's that's. And if you do buy the guitar, make sure you have a receipt. Yeah. <laughs> because I know but, I'm in the store enough years. We saw it kind of bounce back because it wasn't the right one. But for fun in the comments, anyone who's got any ideas, give them some ideas. Tell yeah. them some some. So, uh, Jason McDonald is not a question, it's a statement. Jason McDonald says, uh, "Love the LPD sixty-eight. Uh, just bought it. Thank you. Yeah, I love mine. Uh, I, I mean, I still. Uh, in fact, I." Just mentioned somebody else. I'm gonna ditch one of my most like coveted pedals because I'm not using it because I use my 68 all the time. Um, so there you go. That was cool. Hey, nice someone a Gretsch acoustic. I'm a Taylor Swift vid. Yeah, pocket the cash. cash. Okay. <laughs> so we, you guys, they got some interesting uh, uh, suggestions for you now. I'm and not all of them are wrong. Not all of them are wrong. Say that. So. Uh, all right, and then uh, some announcement stuff, right? Since you guys are hanging, we're, we'll tell you some cool stuff. Um, first, uh, everybody asked me to do a video of my guitar collection, and I tried to do it a couple years ago or a year ago, and I started it, and it just it pittered out. So here's what I decided to do. So starting today, they're already up, I started posting a video every day, one of my guitars. It's a one-minute video of every guitar, so I'm going to do every single one of my guitars on Instagram and Facebook. I understand if you guys don't do Instagram and Facebook, but if you don't, don't worry. What's going to happen is when I'm done, they'll all be edited together, and they'll be put in a 30-40 minute video on YouTube when I'm done. But the idea is every day, you know, it's like you could go on Instagram or Facebook and check out which guitar, and I just tell you a little bit about it. And um, and I'll, and if you guys like that idea, um, I might do it on YouTube as a longer version. I just thought if I put out 30, 40 videos on YouTube of you of, talking about uh, just individual each guitars, guitars, it might get a little, you know, wear everybody out. But I, I, I just don't know what to do other than just do a video where I go this one, this one, this one, this one. I, I, I think it's more interesting to me when I watch uh, people talk about their collection of guitars and why they have them. That's what I want. I want to know why. Why did I pick this strat? Why did this guitar over that guitar? Um, you know, not everything is just, hey, I just buy guitars because I just buy guitars. There's a reason. So there you go. Um, oh, and then Dan, uh, up late gamer says, uh, bought your last shirt. Can't wait. 
to get it. Cool. Thank you again. I really appreciate you guys. I always want to say thank you. Speaking of your videos. Yes. Um, someone had mentioned, uh, are you going to do your repair videos? Yes. The repair videos are actually done. Um, and, and the problem I had is, I think I said this, I, I've said this a couple times. It's horrible. I've been doing repairs uh, still. I'm still doing repairs. I'm just not really doing it. I, I don't know. I want to say commercially. What do you call that? I'm not actively... Uh, so I'm not, uh, what do you call it? Um, promoting? Yeah, promoting, but there's another word. Uh, soliciting repairs. I'm, I, that's really what it is. I have repairs. I'm doing them every day. I'm not soliciting repairs. I have repairs to do. Um, so, uh, but I, I'm been, I want to get back into just doing a shop of just repairs. The problem I'm having is, is I keep having other stuff that's doing, and that, it's in, infecting uh, the fact that I can't even get enough YouTube videos out because I'm doing other stuff. Uh, so, I like so that, Phil Smith's comment, if you do a pedal a day too, then we'll have four years of yeah. videos. Yes. You know, though, that, 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 that to me would be different, though, because it wouldn't be interesting because I couldn't even tell you sometimes why I have a pedal. I'd be like, oh, I bought it. Because it was I mean? blue. It was blue. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, so, but yes, yes, it would be interesting. Um, so that's what I'm doing for the guitar thing. That's another thing. Um, there's another thing I want to point out. Um, I'm trying something new. Uh, to, to so this is like some, some some soliciting. If you guys know GitCon's coming, that's the Guitar Con in Germany. Um, go into that. Uh, there's going to be a ton, a ton of people there for that. I'll be doing some more promotion for that soon too. And um, I got invited. So here's my idea. You guys tell me what you think. I got invited to go to the GNL factory and check it out and do a video. And um, and believe it or not, I got invited to go to another cool factory in California. And I was thinking about doing these factories, but I was crunching the numbers and the numbers didn't make sense. So my new plan is instead of like, hey, do Patreon or thing, mm-hmm. um, uh, we're doing a shirt. We're doing the shirts like we normally do, but we're now doing a shirt uh, that's exclusive every month. So we don't come back to that shirt. So this month's shirt, August, is already out. There's a shirt. If you go to any of the video links, you'll see the shirts takes you there. You'll see that what August shirt is. Those shirts, when we sell those shirts, um, those are to fund specifically that travel stuff. Uh, yeah, Phil Smith does. Don't travel to Europe with a rose guitar. Yeah, I'm not going there with any guitars. There, all the guitars are already there. Um, you know, I know. I, I, in fact, here's something to you guys. Does anyone under, not understand what GitCon is? Uh, it seems really confusing to a lot of people what what this is. Um, so, you know, sh- do you think it'd be a good idea to do a video explaining it? Or did everybody get the idea? You should. I, I think. Yeah. I, I think some people understand what GitCon is, but I think you should kind of go through, do a video, and, and explain what it is and what you'll be doing there. Yes. Yes. Um, the, um, so yeah, so interesting. It'll be interesting. Um, the um, and the only reason I say that is because I had a company contact me and ask me if I knew what it was. <laughs> you know, and like, hey, I saw you're on the list. What is this? And I'm like, oh, well, let me explain it. So um, yeah, so so anyways, I just stuff to to note. Um, oh yeah, Pixie showed us in the vid. Yeah, there's a promotion video video explained it. Um, except for I st- still see people watching the the demonstration of it still saying well i want to go but i don't think they understand what it is it's you go but you're going through video it's right um yeah links to henning's video yeah all right the way i see it is um yeah the the way i see i will do a vid then i'll do a video because the way i see it is imagine imagine the way i see vidcon or get getcon is not the way that they see it 
I see it as um, they're looking at it as like there's all this gear and there's going to be 20 YouTubers go in there and they're going to review it and check it out. But my thing is that's not exactly it. To me, it's you. if you guys watch my channel, you now have, you have say so. You can ask me, you know, hey, check out this piece of gear while you're there, Phil. Or, hey, ask Pete Thorne this while you're there. Or, right? And Pete Thorne's channel can ask him questions about, right? You, yeah. There's all these avenues. And a lot of us, like me, I subscribe to, uh, you know, half the people that are going there. I subscribe to them already. So it's interesting to see how everybody's going to have different perspective stuff. So, um, Phil says, how, how about selling stickers? You know what? Somebody suggested before, and I, I you know what? Now I'll, I'll do it. Um, I have, um, somebody said, do you like the new Weezer tune? I haven't heard it. I have to check that out. I didn't know they had that one. So I just like reading you guys' comments right <laughs> now. Um, all right. So, so there you go. That's all the announcement stuff towards the end. I just want to get that all out there. I want to thank you guys for hanging with us today. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, yeah, as lots always. Of, uh, lots of good questions today. Uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, and, and like I said, it's a, it's a great way. Thank you guys for hanging out. Um, I really appreciate it. It makes, it makes the week really fun. And then uh, we'll see you next week. And yep. uh, as always, I want to thank you guys for your time. Your clothes and, and your motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 